Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combined short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. In the far north of Israel, far away from the religious capital of Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus posed the question of the ages to his disciples. Who do men say that I am? And then even more pertinent, who do you say that I am? It was at this critical moment in the New Testament record that Peter made his monumental declaration, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. Peter's word testifies of the inner revelation that only God can plant in a man's heart. But the revelation did not stop at this point. We trust that if you'll stay with us today, your own perception of the great revelation will be very much enhanced before we're through today. Ron Kangas has joined us as we consider Matthew chapter 16 and the revelation of Christ and the church. Welcome to our program, Ron. Uh, Good to be here, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to fellowship concerning this very crucial portion of the New Testament, concerning who Christ is, then what he says concerning the church and the kingdom. Well, Ron, Matthew chapter 16 presents us with perhaps the greatest revelation in all of Scripture, the revelation of who Christ is— And then, what is his goal or purpose for mankind? And the Lord chose to bring the disciples far away from Jerusalem, away from the religious atmosphere, and all the way up to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Anyone who's been to Israel will likely remember Caesarea Philippi because it's such a beautiful place. It's at the foot of the magnificent mountain, Mount Hermon, There are fountains there which are actually the source of the Jordan River. The air is clear and clean, and it's totally different from the heavy religious atmosphere of Jerusalem. This is very meaningful, isn't it, Ron, as it relates to the revelation that the Lord was about to bring them into? This is very important. Of course, as is obvious, in Matthew 16, there is a physical move and change of geography from the city of Jerusalem then to Caesarea Philippi. And the reason for this, even physically, was to escape from what I would call the religious stench of Jerusalem 
and all the complications caused by the religionists there. And the Lord's move is significant. He brought his disciples to another area where physically the sky is clear, everything is fresh. And this points to a spiritual principle that if we are under and remain under the strong influence of religion with its traditions, with its oldness, it will be exceedingly difficult, if not actually impossible, for us to see this tremendous revelation presented in Matthew 16. Therefore, in applying this, spiritually speaking, we need to turn to the Lord and seek the Lord and pray to be brought into a clean and pure spiritual atmosphere so that the Lord may show us whatever is on his heart and on the Father's heart concerning Christ and the Lord's intention to build up his church upon this revelation. Thank you, Ron. Before the Lord took the disciples up to this place with clear and clean air, and before opening these great, magnificent things to them that we're going to see today, he first gives them another serious warning about the effect of the leaven of religion. Matthew 16, 6 says, And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We want to get into this before we go to the great revelation. Let's go to Witness Lee right now. In the foregoing chapter, chapter 15, it deals with the matter of eating. It tells us what we need is not outward washing, but inward eating. And eating changes us. And eating even transforms us. Eating makes us the dogs into the children of God, even into the proper man. So we have the full enjoyment of the unlimited and inexhaustible Christ. But (laughs) we have to be aware. There is the religious leaven. There is the leaven hidden or behind the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Christ was there as the very bread. But the religious people also were there hidden as a kind of what? Damaging leaven. And the subtlety of religion is that this leaven is trying to creep into the bread. The Lord warned his disciples, be care of your eating. To eat me is right. You need to eat me. But beware of the religious leaven. Today on this earth, you do have some religious people under the name of God. Religious people under the cloak of worshiping God, doing things to glorify God. Religious people all the time pretending something to be for God. 
Yet these religious people, what they can do is just to be utilized by the enemy to bring in the secret, the hidden, damaging thing, corrupting thing that is left. God is doing something to put Christ into his people. An enemy, by the way, and their good cloak is also doing something. While God's children are taking Christ in, oh, Satan puts in the leaven. The bread of heaven is Christ. It is sent by God. It is something from God. But the leaven, I tell you, is something sent by Satan. It's something that comes from God's enemy. <sighs> I tell you, it is easy to see the bread. It is not so easy to see the leaven. The leaven is there. Well, Ron, it seems that his word to the disciples about the leaven of religion was somewhat to prepare them to receive the great revelation that he was going to unveil to them. It's interesting that he would give them such a warning at this time. We just heard that on the one hand, it's easy to see Christ as the bread from heaven, but it's much harder to identify the leaven. Why is this, Ron? Well, the main reason is that the leaven is hidden. Just consider uh, baking a loaf of bread The bread, once it's baked, is quite obvious. But the leaven that was mixed in with the meal, the substance, remains hidden. And this indicates that the leaven that the Lord refers to is something not evident. So the Lord instructed them as he was transitioning them into a situation where they could receive revelation. He warned them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And of course, they didn't first grasp what he was saying. And then the text makes it very clear the Lord spoke concerning the teachings of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all the religionists and their leaders. This indicates that the leaven of religious teaching is a real danger. The Lord presents himself both in typology and exodus and in reality in the New Testament as pure unleavened bread, the bread of God, the bread of life, the living bread, the true bread, the heavenly bread. He is unleavened. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, we need to keep the feast with unleavened bread. So the Lord is indicating we need to be unleavened. We need to be purged of any leaven from of religious teaching that's contrary to the divine revelation in the scriptures. And we need to be warned of being contaminated by such teachings. Thank you, Ron. That's very helpful. 
we're going to stay on this for just a couple more minutes. Of course, the revelation that man needed to see then was Christ and the church. The revelation today that man needs to see is also Christ and the church. And in both cases, whether it was the old Jewish religion or some kind of modern religion, religion becomes a veil that obscures that view clearly. That's really the point of what we're into today. Verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? As we pointed out earlier, it's no accident that the Lord chose this place to unveil who he was and then who we are. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Right after this leaven talk, the Lord Jesus brought his disciples to Caesarea Philippi at the foothill of Mount Hermon. Oh, the pressure there. Why the Lord Jesus brought all his disciples to Caesarea Philippi just to have all the disciples clear up clear up from the stuffy situation of Jewish religion. It was there he began to check with his disciples who he was. Now is the time and here is the place for the Lord Jesus to reveal himself to his disciples. So this section is the section for the revelation of Christ and the church. If you are still under some leaven, you can never be clear about Christ. If you are still under some leaven, you can never be clear about the church. In order for you to be clear about Christ and the church, you need to get rid of all the leaven. If still some leaven is held within you, I tell you, you are under veil. You are under veil. Your eyes could not see Christ. Your eyes could not see the church. In order for you to see Christ, to see the church, you need to get out of that religious center, to get out of all the so-called holy, good, good things, places, persons, and so forth, and you need to read off every kind of leaven. You all have to realize today, many dear Christians who have a heart to our God, they just couldn't see the church. They just couldn't see Christ in a pure and genuine way. Why? Because they still are saturated with the leaven. Okay, Ron, this is a good point to stop. The direct implication here is that the things of religion can actually become a veil that obscures our view of Christ and of his church. Maybe it would be helpful if you could give us some examples of the kind of things in religion that can become such a veil. Uh, First, I would point out that Paul realized this very clearly in writing 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, speaking of the religionists in 
what had become the Judaistic religion. He says, when they read Moses, the Old Testament, a veil is on their heart. They're reading the Old Testament, but there's a veil upon their heart. So then Paul speaks about our becoming unveiled. Well, here's an instance of, to me, one of the most, one of the thickest veils that has been blinding millions of believers for centuries. And that is the veil, which is a leaven teaching that the Father's house, spoken of by the Lord Jesus in John 14, is heaven. And that the many abodes, some translate mansions, are dwelling places that we will inhabit for eternity in heaven. This is an absolutely leavened and veiled teaching. If we read the pure word in a clear spiritual atmosphere with our heart turned to the Lord, and if we are poor in spirit and humble before him, we will see from the text in the context of the New Testament that the Father's house is the church, the house of the living God that was produced as the result of Christ's redemption and through his resurrection. He said in chapter 2 of John, destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. Then the writer points out he spoke of the temple of his body, that's his physical body that was crucified in resurrection. He raised up a spiritual body that equals the Father's house in John 14. Believers by the millions have been deceived and led astray by this leaven teaching, by this veil when reading the Gospel of John and so many other crucial portions in the New Testament. Well, Ron, we've got just a couple minutes left, and I'd like to read the verses that follow Peter's great revelation, where the Lord turned to him in verse 18, and also I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Ron, in the couple of minutes that we have left, let's talk about two things here. Number one, this word, build, and number two, the last phrase, that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. These two phrases are very meaningful, aren't they? These are actually part of the, the meaning of the universe related to God's eternal purpose, his perfect will. The Lord said to Peter that it was the Father in heaven who revealed to Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then the Lord went on to say, Upon this rock I will build my church. Roman Catholicism, and this is another Levin teaching, insists that the rock is Peter himself. So they claim the church is built on Peter, the so-called first pope. That is absolutely false. Peter referred to himself in his own writings as a stone. The Lord changed his name to stone. The rock, we may say, 
does refer to Christ himself, but in particular, it refers to the revelation concerning Christ. The Lord said upon this rock, I will build. And what he will build is what he called my church. Any so-called church that is not established and built on this rock is not Christ's church. Christ is building his church upon the revelation of what he is. Then he goes on to say that the gates of Hades will not prevail against the builded church. The gates of Hades here denote Satan's power of darkness. And the Lord is indicating that he will build his church upon the revelation rock and upon himself. The enemy will oppose this building work with all the power that he has. He will try to prevent the building. He will try to damage the building, even to destroy the building. And he will use this particular weapon, death, in various forms. And I'm emphasizing spiritual death. But the Lord said the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Here I would point out two things. First, this involves spiritual warfare. The gates of Hades will attack in various ways again and again. In the early centuries of the Roman Empire, the gates of Hades attacked through martyring, murdering the saints. In other ages, there's a different form of attack. So we are involved in a warfare. But the Lord said the gates of Hades will not prevail. Well, this says something about this building. Obviously, God himself is the supreme power. He is omnipotent. He has absolute power. Nothing can match him. But in this fallen situation, including the satanic world system, there is another powerful force, and that is death that has its source in the devil. Next to God, death is the most powerful force. Death is what is signified by the gates of Hades. Now, let's recall the Lord said the gates of Hades will not prevail. This indicates, and this is confirmed by the Gospel of John and Paul's epistles, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. This indicates the builded-up church is built in the resurrection life of Christ. We have a hymn that we love. It says, death cannot hold the resurrection life. Resurrection life is always victorious. So in order for the built-up church to be able to stand against the attacks of the gates of Hades and to put the enemy to shame, proving him, 
His power of death will not prevail against the builded church. We need to be deeply impressed that the church is built in the resurrection life of Christ with Christ himself as resurrection with all of its power. So this is the church Christ is building upon the rock. This is the perfect will of God. This is the desire of his heart. And we need to be unveiled to see from the New Testament what the Lord will eventually say, my church. Thanks, Ron. We've run out of time. This is the defining revelation for all of mankind. This is a defining revelation also of this ministry that we're privileged to be a part of and handling each day in these radio broadcasts. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. You can always write to us, Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Our email address is radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll continue with us as we go through this great Gospel of Matthew and the life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.